It is the brink right here on, I was about to say Edge Radio, but we haven't said that in a very long time, right here on your speakers, wherever you are listening to this show, another episode coming down your speakers, funnily enough, as we close out June, and we haven't done an episode all month, but we're here, and it's been about a month since we've done one, so we're here now to bring you an episode and get excited and all the likes and everything along those lines. I just want to point out that at the beginning of this year, I think I, I said that if we did, didn't do as many episodes as we did last year, then there would be a problem and I would do something. I can't even remember what I said. But the point is, we've, we've eclipsed last year's episodes in this year. And we've actually stuck, and I'm pretty proud of this, to an episode a month, at least uh, every month so far. So we've just snuck in this time around. But uh, I believe that's the first time we have uh, done that in a many, many years. In a many years? Many long time. I can't speak properly. There's a reason why we don't do these uh, weekly, apparently, as we go. But... A bit of a, just a short, sharp episode for you today here on The Brink. I know you've been missing us for the last few weeks, but got a couple of good guests on the show today. A couple of regulars, Noah and Colin, are joining us today in separate segments to bring you up to speed with some things happening in their lives. We've got a classic interview coming your way today, going back to 2011, a year that we had many, many big interviews in that year. And I'll also be playing a snippet of of one of our sister shows to get you a little bit excited about why you should be listening to some of the other great content we put out there under the Brink umbrella that we always like to point out there with. But I just wanted to just quickly mention that if you're listening to this on release day, 25th of June, 2023, hello in the future if you may be listening to us at a later date. But on this day, we have had three episodes of the Brink air at least, uh, well, two of the Brink, one of one of our sister shows in the history of our little umbrella and our network. So back in 2010, when Mr. Matt Stevenson was one of our co-hosts, we did an episode back then on the 25th of June, fun times. Also on this day, on the 25th of June, 2014, myself and Dakota, remember him, did an episode. And on that very same day, Dakota and I did an episode of the qualifying lap as well. So there you go. Fun time down memory lane and on this day section of the Brink and the Brink family. So perhaps you remember those episodes. I don't really remember those episodes, but I'm sure you do because some people are maybe avid fans of this show over our close to 20-year history in various different forms. And if you are, hello. If not, well, welcome aboard. And perhaps you could just enjoy hearing this history. So Fun fact for you, I'm full of them sometimes. I'm also full of other stuff, but that's another story. I'm going to press a magical button right now, and we're going to transition into our next segment. So fun to be able to welcome back to the show a man who is in more countries in the last week than I've had hot chicken dinners. It's Noah Groves, fresh with blonde hair and a goatee and nice teeth. Hello, Noah. Hello. It's- um, I don't know how to put blonde voice on because this is audio only, so... How do blonde people sound? Um, I can't go into stereotypes. It's 2023. We've moved on from those. But I, 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 I want to I point out that you did have nice teeth before. That wasn't me trying to say, like, this isn't me. I've got shit teeth. So, like, it's kind of, it's more like that your teeth are much more I, noticeable now. I did pay, uh, like, five grand for these teeth. So. It looks pretty good. <laughs> they I better mean, be noticeable. If only, that only costs you five grand. Sign me up. I think it costs five grand per tooth in Australia to get that done. So. Well, good job from the dentist. But uh, while I've been traveling, I have discovered that I have a ginormous cavity and half my tooth fell off. So I ended up in a Malaysian dentist, wow. which was fun. Okay. Well, 
There's a but story. They may look good, but they're falling apart. Well, that's what we want, right? As long as you look good, you're falling it's apart on the inside. That's that's just you know that's what you've got to do, it right? Looks good on the outside, falling apart on the inside. That's kind of the like that's Sydney. It looks good on the outside, but it's pretty crap on the inside. Whereas Melbourne is like the Ben Waterworth. It's fucking ugly, but it's got a great personality. So. That's uh, how I like to describe it. And it's very conceited. <laughs> yeah, and it likes sports, coffee, and art. Uh, <laughs> and it's got a big winter beard. <laughs> and all the people like to come together there. I don't know where I'm going with this. Um, but you are you are jet-setting right around Southeast Asia at the moment, uh, visiting lots of places. What's been your highlight so far of your little adventure? Um, yeah, well, I've been all over and I'm not done. Yeah, uh, I've been planning this for since before COVID, so it's good to get it out of my system. It's a bit of a um, what's the word? Not revenge, but <laughs> revenge. revenge. Screw you, COVID. I'm traveling. <laughs> uh, but the highlight, a hundred percent, is like. Two weeks ago now, a week ago, I was in Borneo, in the Borneo rainforest. And uh, in the moment, it was hard to really appreciate it because we were doing so much every day. Uh, but looking back on it, it's just amazing. Did you get to meet Richard and Sue and Kelly and Rudy and all of that for all our survivor connectors out there who maybe get those references? I didn't go to the Survivor Island. Uh, it was just a bit too far and we didn't have time. Uh, but I did do some island hopping, so I was close to where uh, people were eating worms and whatnot 23 years ago. Could you do it, though? Like, Pretty- is it an option that you can actually go to it? I saw a sign, but the sign looked at least 23 years old. <laughs> so I'm not sure if you can actually still go there or not. I think... Yao Man went there. I think that time that I met up with Yao Man and Eliza, they were going to do it. And I'm pretty sure I remember him sharing social media pictures of them going, <laughs> going. Well, I mean, there's an image, but um, they were going to go to Survivor Island. So maybe they did. I don't know. It was not too far from where I was staying, but it was still wide a ways. Um... Definitely would be cool, but I went to islands nearby, so same deal, I guess. You went to James Bond Island. You got to be Scaramanga for a day. Uh, what was that experience like? That was uh, very exciting uh, as a James Bond fan. Um, and the funniest story with that is that <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was the only one on our tour of maybe 30 people that even knew the name of the film that it was. <laughs> So they were quizzing people at the start during the briefings and whatever before we got on the boat. And they were like, what, what is this film from? And there was just silence. And I'm a bit shy, so I didn't say anything. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, 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 do I do everything around here? The man with the golden gun, he's putting the microphone in my mouth. Then he's saying, what year did it come out? I was saying, oh, 1974. Who sang the song? Like, you know, he did say, like, who made it? Uh, Lulu. And I'm like, Oh, well, of course, I Hamilton directed it. And I, I think he actually meant who starred in it, because then he's like, no, it's Roger Moore. <laughs> well, actually... So it made like a dweeb in front of all the girls in bikinis. You should just mean, well, actually, no, he starred in it. Guy Hamilton did make it. And that's when you go, well, who sang let's, let's the theme honest. song? 
Roger Moore did make it. He did. Roger Let's Moore made it because man. of that. Man. I mean, it's called The Man with the Golden Gun. And when you think of man, you think of Roger, right? It, it was cool, though, but, like, super touristy and, like, I just think they're geniuses because no one would ever visit there if they didn't call it James Bond Island. But instead, everyone's like, oh, I, I know James Bond. So all of these people have never seen this film. And I'm there, like, geeking out. and like, oh, my God, where's the aerial going to come out? Where's Nick Knack? Uh, <laughs> Did you bring all Tabasco? All these people taking fun. <laughs> Should have brought Tabasco, just tobacco, maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Good uh, job. Yeah, but like it was so cool. And I almost went to the market where the, uh, like the, uh, the boy in the 50,000 bar oh. type. Uh, but it, it apparently it's just super touristy and lame and it was far out. So I didn't end up going, but I would have loved to have seen that too. Did you do PP Island? Yep. And what did you think? Oh, it was it was nice, very beautiful. Um, but to harken back to our other show, not this show, uh, James Bond Island way better than oh, the beach. Don't tell me that hurts my feelings. I I told uh, that. Don't get me wrong. The uh, the beach was beautiful, but it's a bit overhyped. Like, well, I think just. I think it's changed since I've been there because I think not long after I went, they actually closed it down. It's only, I think, recently opened up again in the last year or so because it was so overcrowded and tourists had damaged it so much. But, um, yeah, my when I went, uh, of course, a certain person who shall not be named overrode my decision because we basically had one day to do a tour and we had, like, a person come to our hotel room. It's like, these are your options. You've got PP Islands, the movie The Beach with Leonardo DiCaprio, or James Bond Island. I'm like, hey, hey, here we go, here we go. And she's like, oh, but this one looks prettier. And I'm like, but, but James Bond? Uh, and I ended up going, and I've still actually never seen the movie The Beach. I just also know it for that great song by All Saints, Pure Shores. But hey, sure. The Bitch from now on. The Bitch. Um. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you're on fire today. The block yeah, is giving you some humor. Wow. Where's the... <laughs> There we Bond, go. Bonds, bonds have more fun. You do, uh, apparently. But uh, there you go. Yeah, but if you make it as a Bond fan, like it's very touristy, like crowded everywhere. But as a Bond fan, like it was special to me. Well, I know you've like you've done Europe. I've never been to Europe, but I'm excited. I'm going to Europe next year. Going to Paris for 20 nights, and uh, going to try and recreate a view to a queue when I'm on top of the Eiffel Tower. So I'll uh, I'll get my parachute <laughs> ready and chop a top and off. And your taxi. Yeah, I'll get some butterflies kind of uh, flying around. But in all seriousness, like I'm planning to go to London for like a, a day or two, and I legitimately was writing out things to do, and I'm like, see the MI6 building that you know. I, Destroyed, quote, not destroyed. Along the Thames. Yep. Uh, well, steal, done that. steal a boat, my fishing boat, um, you know, break my shoulder on the, the well, it's called the O2 now, not the Millennium Dome. Um, so Fall into a net. Exactly. So they're all the things that I'm uh, looking, at, looking at doing. Where, speaking of looking at doing, so uh, where are you off to now? I know you told me this off air, but both our listeners don't understand where you're going. So uh, where to next? I don't think we even say where I am, right? So You're in I'm Thailand. He's in Thailand. I just ruined it. No, he's not in Thailand. That uh, was a joke. <laughs> yeah, I'm in a, a nice prison cell looking hotel in Thailand. Uh, but I'm going to Laos in uh, three days, which is going to be cool because I honestly don't know a lot about Laos and it's 
like one of the only or the only landlocked Southeast Asian country. And a lot of people visit there. Obviously, there's going to be a ton of hippie backpackers and stuff. It's still going to be touristy, but I feel like there's not a place like everyone's been to Vietnam, Thailand. Not many people go to Laos, I guess. I feel like you really love the tourists, by the way, judging on your uh, comments you're making about the tourist spots. Uh, Yeah, so Laos and then off to Singapore, which I'm really excited. I've always wanted to go to Singapore. I don't really know why. It just looks beautiful, I think. Uh, But it's going to be more expensive than what I've been doing. Yes, it, it is known for its money and other things uh and then uh maybe some other places but you're back in australia soon which i'm excited for because you haven't set foot in this country in a very long time january 2020 jeez and i don't do maths wow but that's a long time yeah a few few bits have happened there since then so good luck to that gonna be interesting yeah yeah. I mean, never expected I would have spent this long away from Australia ever. So, yeah. And after moving away from where somewhere I lived for five years and doing an amazing adventure, I'm sure it's going to be super fun. <laughs> yeah, it's a great feeling when you get to go back to Tasmania after living in places around the world. It's such a thrill. It's uh, fantastic uh-huh. to, uh, to be I back. I was looking forward to I'm looking forward to snug photos. So, uh, as a matter of fact, in a couple of days at the time of recording this, I'll be in Mount Nelson, so I'll be able to, uh, you know, basically walk to snug. I'll send you a picture of the sign. So, uh, I'll, I'll make sure. I'm so envious. Wow. Mount Nelson. <laughs> constantly compared on Lonely Planet's guides of countries around the world. Just uh, constantly compared. We will catch yeah, up. Well, like, like I was saying, you know, I'm just... <laughs> We will catch up with you soon and also probably in person because I think you might come see me or I'll come to Snug. We'll do that too. But Noah, thank you. And hopefully next time your hair will be And I would come to Sydney. I never said I would come and see you. Well, true. That's all right. You got, yeah, I mean, we've got the blonde hair, good teeth. He's got real friends now. He doesn't even hang out with me. So sorry for assuming. Back in 2011, we had a very big year on the brink when it came to a variety of different big name guests. But in that very year, we interviewed our first, and if I'm not mistaken, only ever Grammy Award winner, the great Leo Sayer. Of course, had a myriad of hits along the years. Thunder in my heart again, you make me feel like dancing. I'm sure you've heard of some of those ones, but an iconic singer. And we spoke to him back in 2011 about his tour of Hobart, coming in the Hobart that time around, and just his iconic career in general. It was a fun chat. You're going to hear that now? Let's go back to 2011 and hear our chat with the great... Leo Sayer. Leo Sayer is one of the world's favourite singers and has been performing right across the world for the last 40 years. His smash hit You Make Me Feel Like Dancing went number one in America and earned him a Grammy and has helped him sell millions of records right across the globe. Leo is currently embarking on his 40th anniversary tour which hits Hobart tonight and I spoke to Leo about his amazing career as well as about me potentially playing him in a movie one day. Leo, welcome to the program and to Edge Radio. Hey you guys. <laughs> really very, very exciting about coming back to Tasmania. It's been two years and 
and uh, feels like feels like forever it, that we haven't been there. So it's going to be fun. I think definitely the fans too feel like it's been forever. Do you have a bit of a <laughs> hidden passion for Tassie? You've been here, of course, before. Do you like the place? Yeah, we've always. I mean, we've always had fantastic shows, whether it's been at Rest Point or or in the theatres. You know, um, I remember a fantastic show we did at Launceston Theatre, which was just absolutely just went off. And I think there was a logistic, there was a storm or something, so we had to spend an extra day. This is a long time ago, but we had to spend an extra day in Launceston. And during that day, I was just fated by everybody saying, you, like the greatest show we've seen there. <laughs> you know, so that's, that's kind of uh, Tasmanian hospitality. And, and, and I think it, it always stays with you, you know. We have a passion, I think, for big name artists such as self because we do tend to miss out. It's been getting yeah. better recently with a lot of the big names that have been coming down here. But when someone such as yourself mm. comes down here, we, we all come out, we all come out and support you. And it's fantastic to get this entertainment here in Hobart. Well, sometimes the promoters forget about it. I suppose it's the logistic of one more plane flight, mm. you know, um, because you can't really sort of, you know, take a ferry, can you? Oh, well. Um, so <laughs> you can do, but it's a bit rough. It is a little <laughs> bit, a little bit. <laughs> it can be. <laughs> but, uh, but but I think, I, I, I think you know, yeah, it's always... It's always special when we get a chance to go down there, and I, and I think that things are very relaxed as well mm. on the island. I think that that's the that's the core the core factor that really makes every show good. Yeah, and we were saying very relaxed people down here, not as spoiled as some of the people up there on the mainland. As yeah. much as we love you guys up there, we've got our own hidden <laughs> paradise down here. I think, Leo. I know, but we've had a fantastic year. Um, we've been touring everywhere. It's just just great. I mean, this is. Uh, uh, last weekend we did show 55 wow. out of all the, the band shows, so it's just been crazy. And um, we've been seeing places and getting to places like uh, you know in northern Queensland and northern South Australia and the far west that that we've never been before. And um, you know meeting fabulous audiences that, that really it, it gives you a kind of relevance. Um, you know, to to all Australia, it, it's it's a time when you turn around and say, "Yes, really, I am Australian." <laughs> so I think like an Australian now. The, all of the sort of international act status is is kind of still there, I guess. But it's. It's as if I'm a local. I actually say I'm Australian to everybody now. Thinking like an Australian, so what does that mean? You actually go for the Wallabies now in the World Cup at the moment, do you, Leo? I kind of, yeah. yeah. I always went for the cricket team. Oh. I've got to say, um, I don't know, there's this kind of under, underdog thing about Wales, which is very exciting <laughs> at the moment when it comes to the rugby. Because, you know, I, I always remember the traditions of Welsh rugby and it was always so important to them mm. it's an interesting competition though it's it's i think it's one of the best world cups for ages i've got to say it's it's uh, so tightly fought and i think that what's interesting now is uh, i think it happens all the way through sport i mean i one of my favorite sports is formula one and i'm, I'm, I'm intrigued at the way that some people start out the year with an advantage but that advantage sta- uh, can change mm. and the same during this cup you know and look at the french they weren't very good at all but they really turned it around, you know. Exactly. It's always and, the um, emotion of sport that brings out. And you've actually answered one of our questions yeah. there, Leo, because I'm a massive <laughs> Formula One fan myself. We actually hosted another show on yeah. this station called the F1 Show. And right. I've actually wanting to get your opinions on the season. We've just seen Sebastian Vettel wrap up the championship. and yeah, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty cleanly done. Very much so. <laughs> what are your thoughts on, on the season this year? And also Mark Webber, do you think he's well, going to be champion one year, Leo? Yeah, I, I just think that things have kind of slightly changed this year because they really... Well, let's 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 talk it straight. They've given them all crap tires, mm. so that what you've got is you've got probably the most strategic thinking racing drivers, probably also the most patient racing drivers have come to the fore this year, and you'd have to say that is 
amazingly, um, Sebastian Vettel, who's, in, who's matured just incredibly in one year. Hmm. Um, and he's able to pot around while his tyres are bad and wait until his tyres are going to be good when he gets in to get a new set. Hmm. And the other guy is Jensen Button, exactly. who I'm very proud to say is a really good mate of mine. But they think, you see, a little bit out of the box. But I don't... I don't know. I'm a little bit critical these days. I don't think it's pure racing. I think that that's what's affected the pure racers in there. And I'm saying people like Mark Webber and, and Lewis Hamilton, and I think that they're suffering this year exactly. because basically of, of, of these very silly tyre rules. And, which, and DRS, you know, Kurs, they sort of add a sort of artificial element yeah. to it, don't they? Well, I think that these guys are all pretty much geniuses with um, hand-eye coordination, so they can handle all those things fine. You, I don't think a single person has complained about the toys that they get to play with in the cockpit that can make the car good. But I think that where it's very restricting is that you want to just drive flat out all the way. Mm. And everybody is kind of telling them from the pits, you know, to just mm, take it easy this lap and don't go slow. And, you know, and you see ridiculous things happening, like somebody passing somebody that they've been trying to pass for about 20 laps and then all of a sudden diving in the pits. Yeah. So they lose the adventure advantage they've just got. And I think that that is very unexplainable to the public. So mm. I would just think, um, well, in fact, I, I put a message out to a couple of friends the other day and I just said, look, now the championship's wrapped up. Why don't they just give them some decent tyres and let them fight it out? It would be very nice. I think we're going to see a bit more exciting racing, hopefully, by the end of the year. Nothing really to lose, so hopefully... No, look, you'll always have exciting racing, mm. but I don't think you can construct racing. Exactly. And that's what's going wrong, I think. Yeah. You know, it's all being constructed by, by rules and regulations and formulas. And I, I think that really it should just be flag to flag and the fastest man wins. So you don't need to construct all these devices and rules and, and, and tricks. Um, you know, and, and that's where I think it's going wrong because it just confuses the public. It certainly does. We'll certainly have to keep an eye on that. But back to your yeah. music, Leo, of course. Yes. 40 years in the industry, your 40th anniversary <laughs> concert tour. How do you maintain such an energetic passion for it, mate? Oh, I love my job. I mean, I, I love what I do and... And I think that it was ingrained right early on in the career that, um, you know, with, with very, you know, working with very enthusiastic people around me, it kind of rubbed off. Um, I, I don't know. It's just I, I, I always think creatively. I've just got this worm of a brain that keeps sticking away and keeps thinking of I mean, I'm trying to write some books at the minute and do other projects as well. So. I never sleep, never rest. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a brain that keeps going on. And I do love performing. You know, it's, 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 um, I'm aware that uh, for some reason I've got a skill set. It's a craft, you know, performance and, and doing it well on stagecraft. Mm. Um, and uh, and, and it, it, it's, if you can kind of, I don't know, if you can make people happy with... With, with the tools that are your natural gifts, then I think that you're a pretty rounded person, and and I think that I'm very very lucky. Fifty five shows. Do you know if you have a record any more than fifty five at all? <laughs> I think this year will, will top it. I think this will be the year that I do more shows than my age. Wow. And since my age has accumulated, um, <laughs> you know, pretty much to sixty three. I think. Well, I'm counting about, including the, the you know the charity shows that I've done, and and you know the the one-man shows and everything, I think there's 66 this year. Wow. So um, it's an extraordinary, you know, it'll be a nice thing to kind of look back on. You've got to look at some of these um, younger performances. They, uh, they struggle to get to about 20 in a tour sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 
But you've got to kind of enjoy it while you can get it. I mean, a good thing about being popular in Australia is that the, you know, the invites for more work have, have come in as the year has progressed. And, um, and I, I, I like the business, the way that, you know, our business isn't slowing down in any way. You know, mm. if there's a recession out there, well, people will still need entertaining. And, um, you know, a lot of the clubs that we've been playing and, 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 and theatres uh, have just sort of said, yeah, add us, add us. And I'm amazed that, you know, when you go to some of these small municipal theatres, and, you know, you think of the club in, in Launceston in that case, you know, and you think how they managed to keep such a heavy roster going all year, which is fantastic. So in a way, it's tough um, that, you know, we have to drop the ticket prices a little bit and we can't rely on totally sold out shows everywhere. But we're all still working and, and the clubs are thriving and the venues are thriving and theatres are thriving and councils keep putting money into entertainment so that's good now throughout your amazing career leo as well just some of the highlights that i'll quickly list here for you you've won a grammy had a u.s number one countless international hits millions of records sold what has the highlight been for you out of all those oh all of it's been great um but i think for me i always i always pick out the highlight right at the start you know when roger daltrey had recorded uh songs that david courtney and i had written you know, after after we'd been in the studio trying to finish the first album, Silverbird, we went to Roger's studio to, to record a couple of songs, and he said, really, I like your songs. I'd like you to do a solo album for me and write the songs. And we just said, what? <laughs> and uh, and, and we, we, we gave him a lot of songs that we'd already finished and, and then wrote a few more, and, and he had a solo album suddenly out. And... Um, there was a single from it, Giving It All Away, uh, the, the the song that the line Just a Boy comes from. And um, that was going to be played on the radio, I remember, and David and I went out in the car. We didn't know what time. It could be any time from, you know, first thing in the morning to end of end of the night. Um, so we actually lived in the car for a day, wow. waiting for this bloody thing to come <laughs> on. And, um, you know, which was frustrating because, you know, the the radio in the car would only work while the engine was on. <laughs> the illegal things like you know filling up the car with the engine still running, which is completely illegal. What it was in those days, you know. And whenever there was a loo break, one of us had to be able to shout at the other one. No mobile phones in those days. Come in the car, Tom. <laughs> because you see, we were just living for that moment of hearing our song played on the radio mm. and um, sung by our hero Roger Daltrey and. And and that was it. We just wanted to have that moment of experience. And as you can imagine, the two guys eventually sitting in the car, and it was 6 p.m., I think. Wow. After starting off at 5 o'clock in the morning. And giving it all away comes on. 13 hours later. And I've got to say, you know, I look around at Dave, and Dave is the same as me. You know, it was spine tingling. There's a movie in that there somewhere, Leo. (laughs) There is, isn't there? (laughs) (laughs) Two guys in a car. Chris, I remember the, it was a little sports car, it was a, a Lotus Europa, which is a tiny little two-seater car, and behind us there's a sort of like, just a barely enough space for a, for a, you know, um, a, a bench seat in, you know, and that's filled with crisp packets and Coke bottles, and you can imagine it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can, I'm, I'm thinking but, of it now. I didn't smoke, but David, sm- uh, no, actually I did smoke, and you know, so there's like fags piled up in the ashtray and <laughs> two guys who didn't leave dead leave and you know we're both smelly and it's been a long day it was in the summer as well oh. i mean geez 
it's a memory. But there are always special moments like that. I reckon, I'm just seeing the movie, or at least a TV series, I mean, you don't have anybody doing that. Now they just go online, send in a track, and then bang, it's they download it. It's Spinal Tap in a way, isn't it? I reckon, I, I reckon. Like Spinal Tap movie. We'll, we'll talk to some producers, Leo, and then we'll get in contact, and um, we'll see, we'll see. We'll reenact it yeah. in Hobart. Who would, you like to, who would you like to play Leo Sayer in the movie? Um, oh, God, yeah, no, that's an idea. Um, yeah, no, who would we get? Um, Brad Pitt, probably. Yeah, yeah of course, I reckon. We've got to go for the most handsome. Exactly. We're good friends with Brad. We'll, we'll call his agent. It'll probably be, uh, no, it'll probably be one of the guys from The Chaser in real life. <laughs> A bit of Andrew Hansen or someone in there. Yes, exactly, or, or, or Hamish and Andy. You know? Oh, yeah, look, absolutely. <laughs> we'll play me and Dave. As long as it's not Kyle and Jackie. Okay, then. All right, then. We'll completely cancel it. Worst case scenario, you. you can have me playing you. How about that? Oh, yeah, you go. My favourite DJ. Yep. Oh, I like the sound of that. Now, before we wrap it up, Leo, uh, with a set of yes, five yes. questions, we do like to ask all our guests. Uh, you mentioned before, you're 63 years young at the moment. How yes. much longer do you see yourself doing this and uh, burning up the charts with all your hits? Oh, good question. Forever, I guess. <laughs> you know, I've, I've always been a fan of those guys that... Um, like the comedian Tommy Cooper, who actually died on stage, you know. I, 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 can't, I, like, I love the ethic that you, you sing till you drop. And, and that's really sort of, uh, yeah, I'll be happy to do that. Look, my health is good. I seem to be, you know, able to look younger than my age. Everybody seems to think I'm younger than I am. I have my adrenaline and all running and pumping really good. Ironically, that's what killed my dad. He couldn't raise any adrenaline. And when he died, you know, of cancer, unfortunately. So I've, I've inherited all of his. I've got optimism galore. I still love what I'm doing. I'm, I'm writing new songs at the minute, new album soon. Yeah, it just goes on, really. I, I just see it going on and growing and growing and growing. That's what we like to hear, Leo. Well, now we're going to wrap it up with a set of five questions. We do like to ask our guests the easiest yes. questions you will get in your entire career, Leo. I guarantee oh my God, that. This is going to be tough. Ah, uh, yes. well, look, the tough, toughest. We've got moments because I've got to be off, off running in a moment. Well, look, here we go. We're going to wrap this up. Question number one: What is your favourite type of cheese? Oh, English cheddar. English cheddar, nice and easy. I like the sound of that, Leo. I think that's the first English cheddar we've had on this program. So, yeah, uh... jolly, I love. Cheddar, yeah. We'll add that to the list. Question number two: Are you a folder or a scruncher? Uh, folder. Folder, yes, smart people. Yes, definitely fold. a folder. Neatness every time. Absolutely. Growing up, Leo Sayer, who was your childhood celebrity crush? My childhood celebrity crush. Mm. Wow. I think it was Bridget Bardot. Oh, right. Okay, yes. Yeah, I'm... she was just so exotic. I'm... And growing up in England and everybody telling you that France was the enemy, but mm. no, it was fascinating. No, I'd, I'd go there. French was wonderful. Yeah, I'd, I'd, one thing the French have produced is good. Uh, also, growing up, what was your dream job, Leo? My dream job? Oh, fighter pilot. Oh, right. Yeah, totally. I mean, I just wanted to be a fighter pilot. Oh, uh, you, you, know? you could still next, achieve next, that. Next, next good would be racing driver, but fighter pilot was really it. Have a chat to Jensen, I'm sure and he... kind of, you know, really flying a spit fire in the Battle of Britain that would have been it for me you should have a chat to Jensen and get him to swap careers for one weekend or something like that I think actually funny enough he like, he, he he always wanted to be a fighter pilot as well mm. from conversations with him we're both playing mad the need for speed I think there Leo the final question yeah. here on the program when it comes to lollies do you like to suck on them and save the flavour or do you just go straight in for the crunch um I like to save the flavour, but I must admit I'm a cruncher. Whenever I'm given boiled sweets or something, I, I tend to crunch straight in. Mm. Not good for your teeth either, but, no. you know, and then I'm, I'm just thinking, oh, I'll, oh, see, that's the next interview <laughs> coming in. Um, well, that's the final question anyway, Leo. It's been an absolute right, pleasure. Looking forward to seeing you. Tonight in Hobart. The good, the bad, the ugly brings us out. Perfect way to wrap it up. See you tonight at the casino, see mate. Enjoy the rest of your time, and thank you Thanks, for being on here.
always exciting to talk to a man who goes, hey, about his country that he loves. It's Canada, if you don't know the national anthems of the world, I think. Is that Canada? It's Canada. I just always need to check. Definitely is Canada. Definitely is Breast Canada. Um, (laughs) Colin Hilding, welcome back to the brink. Oh, thank you, and thank you for playing my uh, walk-up music. Yes, which would that be your walk-up up music if you were a person who did walk-up things? Um, I, I would think that, or something from Hall and Oates. Of course, why wouldn't it be Hall and Oates? Every Canadian's correct answer. They're not Canadian though, are they? Hall and Oates. They're American. No, right? they're not. Right? Do you know where I about? started using that? Uh, I'm assuming Chicago, Philadelphia, I think something like that. <laughs> I'm assuming I started, Chicago, Philadelphia, I, I think. <laughs> I was listening to Hall & Oates, and one of my twins, Remy, is, like, very in-your-face with everything, like, panicky with everything. So, literally one day, as he was yelling in my face, and I've got, like, a Hall & Oates song, I just shoved the phone in his face, like, hey, Hall & Oates! (laughs) And he started getting into doing that. So, anytime he gets loud, I'm just like, Hall & Oates! And I'll just play a Hall & Oates song. As everybody should. They are from um, Philadelphia. So uh, There we go. Very close to Chicago, and the fact that they're both in America. So, uh, (laughs) that's, that's good for them. Uh, a few things to touch on. First of all, last time we spoke to you, you were going to the basketball. Um, yeah. And you went to the basketball. So what happened? I did. Uh, we won and then we lost. Uh, <laughs> there's been more than one game. Moving on to, then. To, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, there's, there's a, there have been many you know, minor league basketball leagues over the years. Uh, I think even some, a couple of Canadian ones, most of them kind of fold after a couple of years, but there's this one new league CEBL Canadian elite basketball league that uh, started five years ago. And I don't know why it took them so long to give Winnipeg a team. I think it had to do with the fact that we had like two failed teams in the nineties, but the reason those teams failed had nothing to do with, you know, Winnipeg. It was the league's folding, which is typical of basketball. I mean, this league, I kind of started watching it last year and they're sinking some money into it. They got like, Light shows, pyro, some decent halftime, some cool different rules that make it a little bit more exciting. And uh, we got a new team, and I was excited. I tried to talk my wife into getting season tickets. She said no. Uh, I went to just the first game. (laughs) Did it anyway. (laughs) I went to just the first game with my nephew. It was really going to be Jamie, but then she said I couldn't care less about basketball. My nephew and I are like, okay, we're obsessed with this team. We're obsessed with this league. We subscribe to the, the streaming service. I told Jamie, you got to come with me the next game. She came with me the next one. And everybody's won over by this. I mean, even Jamie, who couldn't care less about basketball, she's like, that was actually really good. Yeah, I wonder why. And, who, who are the attractive well, ones? She's got a couple of them. <laughs> she was uh, Googling them during the game. But, uh, but I mean, I think the craziest thing is that this league, you know, has been doing better than most minor league basketball leagues in Canada. You know, maybe good attendance would be two, 3,000 people. Winnipeg. We're the first city that actually is done in a proper arena. And for the seating, they had actually planned out for our team, the Sea Bears. We sold it out and then they opened up new seats. I think it was like 7,700 people at the first game, wow. which like shattered the league's all-time record, almost doubled the league's all-time record. The second game I went to, there were slightly less, maybe about 7,000. I mean, basically, Winnipeg's just turned into a new basketball city. I mean, we're, we're actually drawing more with our minor league basketball team than we are our minor league hockey team, which is crazy. Well, that's because they wanted to get rid of the rabble who were dropping pucks on their ice. And they're like, oh, we're not, yeah. <laughs> not going to see that team anymore. Disgusting. <laughs> I'm seeing here that currently the Winnipeg Sea Bears are second in the Western Conference behind the Calgary Surge, which yeah. is good. But you're also ahead of the Edmonton Stingers, the Vancouver Bandits and the Saskatchewan Rattlers. 
I'm just oh, loving Saskatchewan. I do I do love the the name of all the um, mascots here. So in the Eastern Conference, you got the Ottawa Blackjacks, the Niagara River Lions, the Brampton Honey Badgers, the Scarborough <laughs> Shooting Stars. And the Montreal Alliance. So, obviously, all the good mascots are clearly taken. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess, where's the Toronto team? Is Scarborough and Brampton technically Toronto? Yeah, or? like Scarborough's basically a suburb of Toronto anyways. Uh, I don't know why they decided they wouldn't just make it a Toronto team. Maybe just to give... Scarborough pulled in like nobody. Like, I watched the um, the season opener that Scarborough had. And there might have been like, I don't know, 150 people there in comparison to like 7,000 here in Winnipeg. So who knows how long they're going to last. It's, but, it took but a while to get Raptors on board there, I think, Colin. So I think they're just going, oh, we've only got another team. True. What's going on? <laughs> They've got competition there, I guess. But I think one of the cool things about the CBL basketball is um, you guarantee the game's going to end a winning shot because they basically have this rule, which I don't know if uh, this has been used in any inter- international play or anything, but... Uh, when you get the first time that the there's a stoppage uh, under four minutes, they basically wipe out the clock and then they set a target score. So if Winnipeg is in the lead 84 to 75 and it's at three minutes and 58 seconds, they now say the target score is 93 and the first team to get to 93 wins. And wow. it's it, and it actually it, it works. Well, it, it actually works really well because. A, you're not going to have any teams who are just running down the clock because they have a big lead. And I've seen multiple games where a team has come from behind, maybe 20 points behind. The The first game, the home game that Winnipeg had, we were up by like, I think, 13 points when they set the target score. So we only had nine to go and the other team had 22 to go. They end up tying us with like one shot left. So basically you get the winning shot and you win. Uh, and I mean, I, I saw this the first time. I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And then I saw games where teams were coming from behind and even the teams that aren't coming from behind, I mean, you're guaranteeing that you're you're really putting your all into it during those last couple of minutes and you're never just running out the clock. So you, there's no way for people to leave early in a game like this. And and every game I've seen has been like incredibly exciting for those last 10 minutes. But but if you put a target score with like four minutes to go, you could literally add like another two hours to the clock. Because what if all of a sudden yeah. everyone's missing and you're like, I've got shit to do. Exactly, I've yeah. dinner plan. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, that's a ca- or it could be over in three seconds. You could be like, oh, three, yeah. three, three, boom, done. Like I... I don't know how I feel about that, Colin. I, I, I don't you, know. You should watch it. It's, it's quite exciting. I think the, the trade-off is you're never going to get overtime as well. But the other thing is um, the, the CBL games, their quarters are only 10 minutes long. Yeah, the, so the NBL in Australia, we, we only have 10-minute quarters in our yeah. competition here. But, uh, but I mean, everybody who I know has seen these games has been like, wow, this is incredible. Like, I got to keep going. So CBL is definitely taking off here. I, I got a jersey. Oh, I I, I ask. I, I, I taught my nephew his first lesson on manipulating Ever. women. Oh, what? <laughs> Ever. Hang on. <laughs> Stop right I now. Was... <laughs> Thank you very much. In the words of a great band, what? tell us more. Uh, we were looking at the merchandise stands, and I'm like, oh, everything's so expensive here. I'm like, the jerseys are like 80 bucks, but the T-shirts are like 47 So I'm like, you know what? I'm like, watch this. So I basically text Jamie. I'm like, Oh, I really wanted to get a T-shirt, but the T-shirts are like forty-seven dollars. The only thing they have is jerseys. And then she's like, "Well, how much are the jerseys?" I'm like, "Oh, like eighty bucks." Well, that's not that much of a difference in price. If you want to get one, I think you should. Like I told my nephew, like if I just come out and said I'm buying a jersey or come home with it, she'd be like, "That's eighty dollars." But if you pose to her, 
oh, I really wanted to get this cheaper item, but it's way too expensive. The jerseys, however, she can do the math on. Not that much more. <laughs> well, I mean, that is actually quite a cheap jersey, I will say. Uh, $80 yeah. for a basketball jersey is a bargain. But um, I also do love that you're teaching people how to manipulate women. That's good. That's always That's nice. That's right. <laughs> and, and I'm also a little bit concerned of how much permission you always need to get from your wife. Come on, Colin, be a man! <laughs> well, see, this this is also the trade-off, being married. You make sure to ask permission even if you know she's going to say yes. And the next time she spends without asking you, you'll be like, hold on a second. Remember that basketball game where I asked for permission and then you went out and you spent $400 on something you didn't need? Uh, let's have a little bit of like a little bit of a, a trade off here. In my experience of marriage, Colin, women don't ask permission and they do what they want. So um, that's just my experience. But hey, different for everyone. For all of us. Different yeah. for everyone. Um, exciting. I, I, I'm looking at the merchandise store here right now and I'm seeing the, the jerseys and this trend of the gold chain the sea bears chain you can get oh yeah um the hats I, I don't know how i feel about your logo like it just it's it's a nice logo don't get me wrong but like the bear just kind of looks like it's going like what's up <laughs> like it's like I, I want this to be a menacing bear like girl i'm a bear i'm from the sea which is so yeah. close to winnipeg because <laughs> when i think of winnipeg and manitoba i think the ocean so like I honestly, I, th I think Wait. some of these mascots have maybe gotten around the wrong way. Maybe it should be the Vancouver Sea Bears, maybe the Winnipeg <laughs> Bandits. Uh, like, I, I well, don't know where the Sea Bears comes in to Winnipeg. Yeah, I mean, really, it's a polar bear. So why they didn't just call it the polar bear, I don't know. <laughs> the Winnipeg polar bears. <laughs> but, but like, the the whole idea of the bear is actually throwback to our original basketball team, the Thunder, from the early 90s. Oh, which people... Thunder and sea bears often related. Yep. Exactly, yeah. The, the mascot was like, you should look up the Winnipeg Thunder logo. Now, there's a bear with some attitude, like, uh, like I think you're looking for. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they just figured we're not going to use the thunder again, but we have a bear on there. Let's just add C. Oh, look at that Because it bears. makes it sound exotic. I'm going to rip your dick off. Um, <laughs> it is. It's ripping a basket. Like, ah, give me the basketball. Um, <laughs> which is it's interesting because we had that when we got, Tasmania got a team back in the NBL a few years back. Like, traditionally, we were the devils. The Tas you know, devils is Tasmanian. It's our iconic symbol. And then when they folded in the 90s, basically that sort of was always kept alive. But then our Australian rules football team sort of took it on board. And now that uh, when we got back in the NBL, they wanted the Devils, but the the bid for us to get an AFL team and sort of said, hey, but we want the Devils. So we're like, okay, we'll be ants. We're the jack jumpers. Which, the ants? Well, the, the jack jumpers oh, okay. is a type of ant. It's a vicious <laughs> ant, which uh, over the years I've become used to more now. So now that we've gotten the AFL team, we, we, it hasn't been formally announced, but it's expected that we will be the Devils because apparently there's a bit of legal wrangling we've got to do with Warner Brothers because they're like, hey, we own the trademark to the Devils. <laughs> we're like, hey, you stole it from us, you pricks. Where's our money for it? And they're like, Okay, maybe we'll negotiate. Um, so I, I already know the negotiation is going to end up in you being called the Sea Devils. Yeah. I think that'll be the trade. Well, the, the one that there's like a comedy group, which we played on this show uh, a couple of weeks back with Josh, is that they were, uh, we've got like this weird, it's like a native hen. It's a weird little bird that just walks around and pecks shit. It's not that great. But there's a nickname for it. It's called the Turbo Chooks. So uh, they were talking about calling us the Tassie Turbo Chooks, uh, which no, uh, it's fun, but no. Um, you also like to run, which is nice. And you ran a half marathon against Olympians. Yes. And you got beaten yes. by them. So <laughs> how was that? That was fun. Uh, I mean, I, I try to do three main half marathons per year here in Winnipeg. You could just do but, one uh, full one. And then that way you, you half your workload, Colin. Just saying. Yeah. I mean, it's, and you only have to pay one fee. Yeah, that's actually a great idea. <laughs> 
I should take running tips from Ben more often. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, it's up economy year. at the moment, Colin. I'm trying to save you money for more jerseys. <laughs> but but this year I, I kind of expanded and I, I'm doing five this year. Uh, the Manitoba Marathon, which is one that just passed, is like the biggest one. I mean, we basically will get people from around the world that come here. Uh, why they come here, I I wondered. And then the through bears. a couple of interviews, the Sea Bears they came they come to see the Sea Bears in person. But uh, through a couple of interviews that uh, some of the out-of-town athletes have had, they basically said, yeah, Winnipeg is nice and flat. <laughs> you know, there's no hills, so it makes for an easier course. Uh, but, I mean, there were like 7,700 people that ran in this one. And uh, the, um, the, the Olympians, who are uh, marathon Olympians, like full marathon, uh, I guess they kind of use half marathons as kind of a warm-up for some of the bigger events. And... Uh, this year, well, for the last couple of years, Winnipeg has had the half marathon championships, like the Canadian national championships. Uh, because of the pandemic, we missed most of the ones we had already signed up to get. So they kind of extended to this year and we get at least one more. Uh, and yeah, there was uh, there was like a press conference. There were two, two of the people who actually have competed in Tokyo, one who actually competed in London as well. And then uh, two who basically are gearing up to be in the next Olympics uh, and are expecting to. So they had, there was like a media conference. I got to meet one of them who was the last place finisher for the women's marathon in Tokyo, which we're, we're going to hopefully have her on off the podium at some point. Uh, and the fastest man in North America, Canadian Cam Levins. Uh, I had him pass by me eating a bagel and I oh. texted Jamie. I'm like, and he was laughing you for the fifth time. <laughs> in a bagel. Fastest, fastest man in North America just passed me eating a bagel. And Jamie's like, oh, that's really cool. <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, they, these are like the elite athletes. So they... Obviously, we're going to finish ahead of everybody. This guy, Cam Levins, you know, basically finished in just over an hour. I finished in like an hour 55, which was decent for me. Uh, but then the craziest thing is that after the race was over, uh, we're walking back like, I don't know, half an hour later after I've cooled down and everything, gotten the kids wrangled up, and we're just outside the stadium. And I see Cam Levins and Justin Kent, one of the guys who's probably going to be in the, the next Olympics, and one other guy, and they're just doing another leisurely stroll around the university campus Probably since they finished, they're like, oh, let's do another 30 kilometers here. Barely breaking a sweat. I'm like, wow, these these are Olympians. <laughs> wow. That's what the bagels do for you. That's what bagels do. I'm just actually, uh, our research department here at the Brink are very good because I've actually just pulled up a screen here, Colin, and I can see your performances over the years. So good job. I'm just seeing oh, you. Oh, you can. 2016, um, you did the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service Half Marathon. Uh, a time of two hours and two minutes and 12 seconds. You finished 600. That was my first. Good yeah. job. Well done. Uh, a year later in the Manitoba Marathon Half Marathon, uh, you improved your time by 11 minutes and only Ooh. improved 60 positions. You finished in 540th <laughs> place. Good job. I well mean, done. Granted, there's probably three or four times the amount of people in that one too. But then also in the same year, uh, you did the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service Half Marathon. Uh, to which that one, you did it in one hour, 49, 34, finished 293rd. Good job. Uh, yep. I'm not going to go through all these because we're here all day, but I'm just seeing here that so you got 460th this year, uh, yes. which last year you got 677th, so better, but shit compared to 2021, Colin, where you finished 256. <laughs> Although your time was also well, 10 minutes slower. So okay, let's also, let's also field. put an, a <laughs> let's put an asterisk on that. That was when they opened after the pandemic. So they had like, I don't know, a quarter of the capacity that they could take. Um, yeah, the the one last year, though, that's the crazy one, because we had like an insane heat wave leading up to that. And then the day of uh, there was basically like warnings, you know, OK, we're advising people if you're not prepared for this, don't run. 
And at 7 a.m., it was 27 degrees. That wasn't even including the humidity. With the humidity, it was over 30. And by the time I finished, it was like 35 degrees was the temperature. And that was only like two hours later. Uh, they had actually shut down the marathon. I basically had just passed the point where they started telling people, like stopping them on the course saying, we're closing up. The temperature is too high right now. We're not advising people to continue. So I, of, of the whatever place I was last year, which was like two hours and 18 minutes, um, I, I'm impressed just that I finished that one. That was like the worst ever. And that's uh, that's what, one that uh, almost everybody was talking about this year. Coming into this year, they, because of how bad last year was with the heat, they were sending daily weather updates to everybody who was registered. So it's like, oh, the weather level is currently green. Yeah. Potential for clouds and everything. And uh, uh, if it had been heat like they had that year, I mean, I may not even cross the finish line. <laughs> well, this, I'm just saying, so Ethan Hilding, is that a relation at all? Ethan no Hilding? relation. Okay, but this is obviously the same website that tracks the one that I did because I'm seeing here Virtual 10K Canada Day Run. Uh, which oh, yeah. Did in 53 turns. So I just typed in my name. There's me, one hour, 12 minutes, 54. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what, what was mine? Uh, 53.29. There we go. So what? Nineteen minutes off. Uh, Good somewhere job. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Twenty-one. Uh, and I'm about to. <laughs> I'm about to do a fourteen k in like six weeks. Um. So there you go. Uh. Before we let you go, Toronto didn't win the Stanley Cup. We knew that was going to happen. Uh. But Vegas did. Which. Yeah. I mean, again, as a Toronto fan who hasn't won it in like sixty odd years, <laughs> as a Canadian who they haven't won a Stanley Cup in like thirty years, how do you feel about a franchise that's been in existence for six years? I'm like, hey, everyone, we want a Stanley Cup. Suck at everyone else. You know, I felt good until you phrase it that way. So thanks. <laughs> You're welcome, Canada. You're welcome. Uh, I mean, I was pulling for Florida because they were the ones that beat the Leafs uh, and they were kind of the underdogs for this entire thing. But I mean, the fact that an expansion team can make the Stanley Cup finals twice and actually win it within their first six years. I mean, I think anybody has to applaud that. There was a Winnipegger on their team, which really wasn't talked about in the media uh, leading up to until they actually won. I would have liked it for it to have been a little bit closer, but I mean, good for Vegas. You know, the I think it's uh, it's 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 a well managed team. I remember during that year with the the expansion draft, where a lot of people afterwards were like, they did something kind of clever here that we didn't expect anybody would be able to do, mm. and they got a much bigger, better team than we expected them to. But six years later, they've still held it together and. I don't know. Were there any years they didn't make the playoffs? I'm pretty Two sure they years. made it. They've made four out of yeah. the six years. And I think one of them technically is a playing years, potentially. I don't know if that really, you know, the bubble year. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, the, at least, yeah, two, I believe. But I mean, it's, and because the, they made the conference finals, wasn't it, last year as well. So they nearly made the yeah. Stanley Cup final. So they've done pretty well, which, I mean, Seattle didn't in their first season, but in their second year, they made it to the second round. So there's something in the water when it comes to the expansion. Because we talked about this, I believe Florida, what, in their second season, didn't they make the Stanley Cup finals back in the 90s? No, I was, uh, I'm trying to think. They, they were third, I think. Yeah, 93 to 96. So third or fourth. Which is which is crazy to think that. But, I mean, does, does, I know Winnipeg is salty against Vegas because of what was that, 2017. But, like, yeah. does Canada react? Like, I know probably the media is all like, well, hey, 90% of the team is Canadian. But, like, do Canadians get shitty that a new team comes in and does this? And, again, it's been this agonizing because it's 30 years this year since Montreal won the Stanley Cup in 93. No, I mean, the the older people do. Uh, I think I mentioned <laughs> last last time, you know, the, this guy I work with, or maybe even been on one of our different shows, this guy I work with who basically has a vendetta against any expansion team. Now, he considers any expansion team to be literally anything post 
uh, all, all not just the original six he'll kind of include some of the teams that came in the 70s <laughs> but i would say for sure anything post 1982 1983 is like no they should never win he's got conspiracy theories and all that Doc that, that's kind of yeah he definitely hates the ducks uh well i but, hate uh, him <laughs> I hate all of them. <laughs> all of them. The women and children too. <laughs> but I mean, that that's kind of the novel. I, I think that once the Canadian teams are out of it, people are just like, yeah, whatever. Whoever wins, wins. And we'll kind of look on the bright side. And I, I don't really, I, I didn't really see a lot of love for Vegas until they won. And then as soon as they won, that's when you look at it. It's like, oh, we've got something to be excited about here. There, there's some Canadian guys on the team or, you know, whatever. They, they Nobody will ever actually take my strategy of root for the team that beat you, which... I, I was telling my nephew who uh, is so anti-Florida because of what happened this year. And he had a friend who basically told him, okay, if Florida ends up making the Stanley Cup finals, you have to wear their Jersey and, you know, post an image of yourself in it. And he was so upset about this. I'm like, that's the team you should want to win. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how many times I've been here saying the exact same I thing. Can't do if that. They beat your team. If they beat your team and they win the whole thing, you're okay for losing. Yeah. I can't do that. I'm sorry. I mean, in the basketball, I guess the heat knocked out, uh, the Bulls who knocked out the Raptors. So, I mean, kind of it was a long-standing one. But, it, you know, it was all good for South Florida. They had both teams in the NBA Finals and the uh, Stanley Cup yeah. Finals and both lost. So, um, <laughs> bad, bad there. Just one thing I want to touch on, though, really quickly is I love this kind of thing that could happen in the NHL right now. So, the Arizona Coyotes, who are without a stadium, and the rumors are that they will be relocating, but somehow they keep surviving. They're the one team that always survives. Good for them. <laughs> Uh, of course, they originally were the Winnipeg Jets. Famously, they mm. moved from Winnipeg to Arizona. Then Atlanta, the Thrashers, who I always like the Thrashers, they moved to Winnipeg to become the Winnipeg Jets. One of the possible cities that Arizona may be moving to is Atlanta. So that would be this yeah. weird full circle. Hi, Jamie. This weird full circle thing that would be, hey, Atlanta, we've got your <laughs> old, you've got our old team. Now, Winnipeg, we've got your old team. So surely there'd have to be some deal on the table. I'm assuming they would become the Thrashers again, which would be fantastic. And then like, hey, we'll swap you our records for your records. Not that there's great records on either side, but hey, like keep it consistent, right? Is that being talked about in Winnipeg oh. at all? Yeah, yeah, a ton. As I think the logo is what people are most attached to. Mm. And I mean, I, the one I'm wearing right now is the new. I like Jets your new logo, one better, which, to be completely honest. But yeah. so do I. And I, <laughs> I, I, I think it's grown on people. But I remember, like, uh, I, for the first couple of years, people still were like, "Oh, we should have the old one." What are you yelling about? <laughs> yes, yeah, even she's like the old one's way better. But like, <laughs> uh, you know, what are you yelling about, woman? <laughs> Let me get season tickets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for your input. <laughs> but uh, uh, like even for the Heritage Classic games we have, when we have those jerseys, like we basically still have to get permission to use that. And I think that's the big thing is that it would enable us to be like, hey, you want the old Thrashers logo? We want the old Jets logo? We got them now. Well, they, they did that in the NBA because there was that weird convoluted mess that Charlotte had the Charlotte Hornets, but then they moved mm. to New Orleans to become the New Orleans Hornets. And then basically Charlotte got an extra franchise thing because Michael Jordan had money. They were the Charlotte Bobcats. <laughs> so then they basically came to an agreement where the Bobcats were like, hey, New Orleans Hornets, we used to be you. Can we have our identity and records back and you become a new team? And they're like, okay. So then they bought their the thing. You can buy your own history and records and logo. So they became the Charlotte Hornets. And now then they became the New Orleans Pelicans, which is to me one of the worst uh, brandings in all of sport. But it's weird how that works in Australia, but that's but, not how it works. It's just like, ah, you're on a different team. Pop off. But for the original jets, you know, that I think made the conference finals once with Phoenix and the new jets who made the conference finals once. I mean, 
what really is well, the, the negative side to trading off, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not like you're saying we're losing a Stanley Cup or they're gaining one. And I'd be fascinated if they would allow that to like, because I don't know how I, because I know there is a passionate fan base of hockey in Atlanta. They've lost two teams to Canada. But like, would they then want to become the Thrashers again? Because I guess technically they're the Flames. They were the Flames when they yeah. first got it. And that's obviously Calgary now. So, um, I mean, would they just be the Atlanta Coyotes? But realistically, if it happens, I think it's more likely going to be Houston or Kansas City. They're the kind of the main, well, Salt Lake City. Apparently, the the owner of the Jazz is really keen to get in there. I'm pushing for Quebec City. I, I want it to be Quebec City. I want them. I want the Nordiques back. But uh, even just Quebec City. I want another Canadian team. Eight Canadian teams. I- that makes more sense, doesn't it? I am. Uh, uh, we're we're probably going to talk about this eventually at some point. It may just be on a Patreon episode. But uh, the 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 Canadian movie BlackBerry about the Canadian company BlackBerry. Uh, there's a crazy part of that movie which I would love to confirm if it was real, where one of the BlackBerry heads actually did some dirty deals to try to get the Pittsburgh Penguins to move to Hamilton, <laughs> and the NHL vetoed it at the last minute. It's like the craziest part of the movie. I'm like, if that's true, like that's the greatest story ever. But I mean, even Hamilton's a city that's been thrown on mm-hmm. here in Canada, although I don't know if Hamilton would get it over some of the bigger markets. Having said that, people didn't think that Winnipeg would get it again because we're a smaller well, market. I saw a lot of, I mean, I know Hamilton's in the vicinity of Toronto, but I know some people say even a second Toronto team. I, I get yeah. I'm convinced. I'm, as somebody who lived in the city of Victoria, I mean, you know, they are Stanley Cup winners, the city of Victoria. They have won it, I think, twice from memory. So, but yeah, Victoria is a little bit too small, I think, for an NHL team. But anyway, uh, Colin, thank you for joining us and go see Bears. Yes, thank you for having me and go Pelicans. With Colin out of the way, you're about to hear him again because this is an opportunity for us to play a little clip from one of our shows that we do here under the Brink umbrella of course, the Oz Network, we do a lot more frequent episodes on that if you want to uh, hear our voices and hear us talk about TV and movies along the way. We recently did our series on Indiana Jones. Of course, this week, the fifth Indiana Jones movie, Dial of Destiny, goes into cinemas. So we decided to recap the first four of those Indiana Jones movies. And during one of those episodes, we got a little bit sidetracked, a little bit excited, as we often do, a little bit offensive, as we often do, and we apparently discovered that Steven Spielberg only found out the Nazis were evil after he filmed Schindler's List. How did that come about? Take a listen. The first draft they had of this was Nazis, again, (laughs) because why not? And um, uh, when Lucas and Spielberg read it, they're like, Lucas, like, I think we're all Nazi'd out, and Spielberg specifically was like, after doing Schindler's List, I don't want to go back and do Nazis in a lighthearted way again. Like I'm, I'm I, nobody's going to accept the guy who Schindler's List doing this. <laughs> he, he did Schindler's List. He's like, I found out the Nazis were bad. Exactly. <laughs> you know, they did actually you, did some bad things. So I'm. Did know. you know that it was specifically against the Jews? I didn't. They, I'm they, Jewish. They hated Jewish people. I just, I was, <laughs> I did, there was gas. Did you know this? I didn't know. <laughs> Something called the Holocaust. Did did they not teach this in schools? I know. What's wrong with this country? America, my country, should be teaching this in school. It's like six million people. That's like (laughs) that's like more people than live in like most states in my my country. What happened? My country. I feel offended. I I just kind of don't like the Germans anymore. Are you German? You can't work on my film. Go away. No more Germans. Okay, this is just wrong. 
why why did i not know this <laughs> yeah like that's literally what it is spielberg is like oh i made schindler's listen i found out they did some bad things <laughs> i can't do nazis anymore but uh george lucas sort of was like well we're in the 50s why not do the russians and then we could add this whole red scare in the movie which again they go a little bit too far with so there's one scene later on where i'm like okay we get it now but uh it, it's it's a natural idea it's doing something different but the the whole psychic warfare thing was george lucas where he's like because George Lucas is literally like a history buff. I mean, all this. Yeah, the young and George young... Lucas is literally a Nazi. He is a Nazi. <laughs> That's when Spielberg is like, I can't do movies with this guy anymore. <laughs> no Indy 5. Did you know he was a Nazi? This, I didn't know that. This, this guy did Attack of the Clones. It was kind of bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't not like the worst him. Star Wars movie. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the worst. Star Wars. That's, that's me trying to, you know, go in with the kids of the day. <laughs> But uh, we didn't have yeah, Rise George- of Skywalker or Last Jedi in 2008, kids. So that's, you know, <laughs> it was OK. <laughs> it's OK. That's the joke. But like George Lucas had done all this research and he knew that like uh, Joseph Stalin was kind of the way that Hitler kind was obsessed bad. with the uh, he was a bad guy. <laughs> but Stalin, like Hitler was obsessed with the occult, which is a line <laughs> they have in the original, which is real. <laughs> Sorry. You got another one. Wait, Steven you. So I found out those planes that flew into the building. That was bad. <laughs> those terrorists. Sammy Laden was a bad guy. I just imagine him on 9-11. He's like, those poor Iraqis who were just trying to sightsee in their plane. <laughs> just trying to get a nice view of New York City. They flew right in the building. That's all horrible. They just wanted to borrow the plane because they weren't flying close enough and they accidentally flew into it. Like, I felt bad for them. You know? Oh, God awful oh. you imagine things like this go on in this world i know where have i been oh like you know it was john wilkes booth or lee harvey or whichever it was and he just wanted to zoom in on the president and he accidentally <laughs> pulled a trick he just didn't mean to <laughs> poor guy like that jj abrams guy he took over star wars <laughs> what did he do to it did you guys know that there were three of these movies <laughs> wow <laughs> independence day resurgence like there was another movie did you know that Yes. Uh, I was gonna say. <laughs> so so I, I I tried to call Harvey Weinstein about this project. I thought he'd be great to work with on. Did you know he did some stuff to some women? I always just thought it was, he was really so bad. Friendly. He was so friendly with them, and all of a sudden, like he just I don't know. Kevin Spacey, like he always seems so friendly <laughs> around young boys. I don't get it. What happened there? I was going to go Ezra Miller. I'll just leave that. Okay. <laughs> also, I, I think Zack Snyder might have gotten cancelled in the last week because he was interviewed. Oh, on no, some, what now? He was interviewed on some red carpet and they asked him about The Flash and he was kind of all like, oh, I'm really excited, blah, blah, blah. It looks really good. And then he said like, oh, Ezra Miller, I texted him the other day to oh. wish him luck. And everyone's like, oh, it's, you, you can't pronoun shame Ezra Miller. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Okay. He's gonna get. We got Harvey Weinstein getting canceled. We got <laughs> Nazis getting canceled, and now Zack Snyder called him a him. Uh, you were very good in our Flash episode too. You're like, I know I'm gonna screw this up. I I listened, and but you didn't screw it up. <laughs> Steven Spielberg is going like going like. So there, there's more than two genders. Did you know this? Yes. <laughs> what you mean? Men can sleep with men, and women can sleep with like what? There are people uh, who uh, aren't white. What's happening? Uh, uh, Apparently being gay is okay now. <laughs> when did this happen? You can get abortions? What? <laughs> well. You know, uh, the, did you know that women can vote? Date? Have you been voting this whole time? I didn't realize. You, you know those people who've got picking cotton? 
That's illegal now. <laughs> Can we cancel that shipment from Africa that we've got coming in? I don't think we're allowed to do that anymore. I just, I didn't know. <laughs> I was about to invade that country down south and take it for my own. Did that, was that too far? Um, <laughs> we, we're done, Stephen. We're sorry. We really are sorry, Stephen. I know he's an avid listener to this show, so probably not anymore. But hey, Colin and I had fun, and that's the main thing. <laughs> All right, time for me to clap my hands and get excited because we are closing it out for another episode of The Brink. As always, thanks for tuning in. You can listen to this show whenever we decide to pop it out there, apparently. Hopefully, we'll have some more regular ones coming your way soon. We always say that at the end of every episode. But again, we're doing better than we've done the last couple of years, people. So I think we're doing very well on that aspect of things. Nick's lined up. We're going to get Nick back on the show to talk very, very soon. Casey lined up. Josh coming back as well. So plenty of people to get back on the show and learn about some fun things happening around the world because life is exciting, right? If you like hearing my voice on other shows, as I've alluded to plenty of times in this episode, we've got shows like The Oz Network, Off the Podium, 007, Euros Vision, Australian Survivor Archives. There are other shows out there, so stay tuned to them. Hear my voice on more regular occasions as well. But if you like this show and want to stay up to date, like, subscribe, do all the regular things on all the podcast channels, send us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And we appreciate your support wherever you are listening to around the world. Thanks to Noah. Thanks to Colin for joining us on the show today. My name is Ben. As always, keep sucking those oranges, Hobart, and good night.